Today on the ZabeCast, it's not a burger, but man, it can't be good for you. Andy Poland joins me. We'll talk Goodell and his dopey father, the league's wild disparity in domestic violence cases, a little bit of the Open Championship, Trent Williams holdout, and LSU's incredible locker room. All that and more, and why you should always make them drag you kicking and screaming out of politics. Bonus, uncensored me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019. Thank you for downloading and thank you for putting up with a little bit of load management. I don't think I'm running my voice too hard, but you never know. I also had a kind of a monster Sunday, so I was not going to be giving you great effort on Sunday night. Monday night, though, here I am, and I think you're going to enjoy the podcast. Let's start with this. Al Franken, remember him? There have been occasional sightings of him, according to this story in, oh God, I forgot. I just clipped and pasted this. Let me see if I can find it. The New Yorker, the Atlantic. Nope. I often take screenshots. I'll highlight stories, and then I'll take a screen grab. I'll cut it, and then I'll just drop it into my uh, little note notes application called Evernote. And I don't often remember who wrote this. I would give him credit, but okay. There had been occasional sightings of Al Franken in Washington. People mentioned having glimpsed him riding the metro or browsing alone in a bookstore. There was gossip that he had fallen into a deep depression and that he had been seen in a fetal position on a friend's couch. Well, it's probably how you have to lie on a couch unless it's really long. But Franken had experienced one of the most abrupt downfalls in recent political memory. He had been perhaps the most recognizable figure in the Senate, in part because he'd entered it as a celebrity, Saturday Night Live, best-selling author. Now Franken was just one more face in a gallery of previously powerful men who had been brought down by the hashtag MeToo movement. And somebody whom no one wanted to hear from again. America had ghosted him. Yeah, he was the victim of bad timing. Arguably a bit of an orchestrated hit. But... He didn't have any friends on his side of the ideological aisle. They should have said, hey, this is is crap. I mean, in the big scheme of things, a couple of photos, and maybe there was more, but Al Franken now says he absolutely regrets resigning. When asked if he truly regretted his decision, he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. He said he wished that he had appeared before a Senate ex-ethics committee hearing, as he had requested, allowing him to marshal facts that countered the narrative that was airing in the press. It's extremely rare for a senator to resign under pressure. No senator has been expelled since the Civil War, and in modern times, only three have resigned under the threat of expulsion. Harrison Williams in 1982, Bob Packwood in 95, and John Ensign in 2011. Williams resigned after he was convicted of bribery and conspiracy. Packwood faced numerous sexual assault accusations. Ensign was accused of making illegal payoffs to hide an affair. 
At his house, Franken said he understood that in such an atmosphere, the public might not be eager to hear his grievances. Holding his head in his hands, he said, I don't think people who have been sexually assaulted and those kinds of things want to hear from people who have been hashtag me would that they're victims. Yet, he added, being on the losing side of the Me Too movement, which he fervently supports, has led him to spend time thinking about such matters as due process, proportionality of punishment, and the consequences of internet-fueled outrage. Well, see, that's the thing. He can't be on, he can't be a big supporter of the hashtag MeToo movement because a hashtag movement, by definition, has one size fits all punishment and it has no due process and it has no balancing considerations it is an organized digital lynch mob that roams from target to target taking people down so that the group mentality can feel like man i done good today i sent out a few tweets i put a few hashtags out there And now this guy got fired, or he got kicked out of the Senate, or he quit. Franken said that his therapist likened his experience to what happens when primates are shunned and humiliated by the rest of the other primates. Their reaction, Franken said with a mirthless laugh, is, I'm going to die alone in the jungle. Oh, poor Al Franken. And if he's in Washington... I guess he's just hanging around the swamp looking for his next gig. Couldn't he be a consultant? Wouldn't anybody want to hire him in some way, shape, or form? He said despite his current isolation, Franken is recognized nearly everywhere he goes, and he often gets stopped on the street. Quote, I can't go anywhere without people reminding me of this, usually with some version of, you shouldn't have resigned. (laughs) He appreciates the support, but such comments torment him about his departure from the Senate. He tends to respond curtly with a simple, yup. (laughs) That's why Ralph Northam, in Virginia, governor, blackface, said, nah, fuck it, I'm not leaving. It's like Jordan Belfort in Wolf Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving! (laughs) And he just defiantly said, no, drag me out. And this is now going to be the template, the Northam template, and also Franken realizing, fuck, I flushed the greatest, juiciest government job. He would have had that Senate seat forever and a day from the dist from the state, you know, from Minnesota. He would have. But no, he quit. Never quit. Make him drag you out. Don't care what all the pressure is. In the big scheme of things, the things that he was accused of, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Oh well. Due process, maybe, Al, you should become a champion for due process. Maybe, Al, you should create a hashtag that's catchy called due process so that men who either had some misbehaviors and deserved a more proportional punishment won't be just cast into the dustbin of civil society. Maybe you won't die alone in the jungle. Or, or and this is a crazy idea, Do something outside of politics. You know, you don't have to be in politics. There's a whole wide world out there beyond just being in politics. But I understand the allure. Politics, as they say, is showbiz for ugly people.
and you are a star and you've got power and you've got people kissing your ass and maybe people bribing you. Who knows? Franken was a low-level celebrity and then he was a powerful politician. So he had a little bit of taste of both real celebrity and also celebrity for ugly people in the form of politics. And with that, it's time for Andy Poland. Andy Poland joins us now on the Zabecast with a word of warning to me to take it easy, for God's sakes, regarding my voice. Right, Andy? Yeah, I uh, saw your email where you said, you know, you were cutting down the number of Zabecasts this week because your voice was starting to struggle. And I noted that Michael Kay, who's been the longtime TV voice of the Yankees, also hosts an afternoon drive talk show in New York, is struggling with that right now. He's had surgery and he can't talk for three weeks. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to blow out my vocal cords. It just, right. yeah, there's I been mean, one, it's, there's it's, been one guitar string that has been a little wanky mm-hmm. the last, I don't know, three or so weeks. And I know people will say, well, duh, you're doing two shows and a Zabe cast and everything else. But I've done that my whole life, Scott, uh, Andy. Yeah, I, I know. I know, Mike, you have. But the, the, uh, <laughs> the problem is, is that's your moneymaker. I mean, it's, it's like, true. you know, it's, it's, it's like Max Scherzer's arm. You know, you can only use it so much before it uh, starts to give you trouble. Well, I guess so. Uh, and, and you know what? There's been coaches... I believe uh, Sam Weish, did, yeah. didn't uh-huh. he lose his voice from coaches? Yeah, voice? yeah, yeah. And there was uh, the see the coach of the Lakers, Bill Sharman, uh, actually had to stop coaching because he lost his voice. Um, and he's the you know he's still the record holder. Uh, I don't think anybody's broken thirty three straight games. Wow. It was his Lakers in in seventy two seventy one seventy two that did that. And uh, he was a very good coach, but eventually had to stop because he couldn't talk anymore. So how does Frail, 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 the bench do it? I guess maybe he's already <laughs> trashed his voice and there's no hope of it coming back, right? That could be. I mean, I listen to that at night sometimes and I think to myself, my, oh God, my God, what what did he do to himself? Yeah, there's that. I'm trying to think of other uh, cases. Uh, I mean, usually it's like something goes wrong. Someone said to me, are you drinking enough water? And I'm like, I don't think the water washes over my vocal cords. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, but, you know, your throat might affect that. I don't have a sore throat. It is not an airway issue. And it's not even on the low, low, low end of my vocal range. It's just literally one guitar string. But I'm doing some load management this week, and I'm pacing myself. Yeah, you should go see an ENT also. You know, we got people who do that. Yeah, but they might find something wrong. Well, that would be the idea to prevent I know. getting worse. I, I know. But one <laughs> of us, here's the thing, the hypochondriac's conundrum is you're deathly afraid of something horrible being wrong with you, but you're afraid to go to a doctor because you might find out there's something wrong with you. Uh, understood, but wouldn't you want to nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud rather than let it develop into something far more serious? Logically, of course. But yeah. emotionally, and if you are afraid of this stuff, it's hard to do. But I will take your urging, and I will go see an ENT and have them take a look. 
Yeah, take yeah, a look think, at the pipes. Uh, uh, actually, a guest of your program. His his dad is uh, is quite good. Uh, Brian Oringer, who's been on a number of times. His father, Doctor Seth Oringer, ENT, highly recommended. I oh, think you might see him. Oh, you know him. You know Brian. Oh yeah, boy. I told you, Brian and my son were good friends. That's they right. Grew up together. That's yeah. right. That's how we kind of got hooked up. So why don't yeah. we use that as a jumping off point today? What do you make of Ted's big shakeup with the Wizards? Oh God, this is Ted thinking he's. He's got it figured out better than anybody else. Now, maybe this time he does. You know, maybe this is the answer. But it seems to me in the NBA, um, what he's looking for is like a team from the 1950s of guys with buzz-cut haircuts who throw chess passes and toe the line and do all the right things, when the reality is you've got to get yourself two superstars. And he's got one, maybe, in Bradley Beal, and one who used to be in John Wall, and all these guys who do the right thing and say the right thing aren't necessarily going to bring you a championship team. So, you know, promoting Tommy Shepard to be the general manager, fine. I mean, I think he's done a good job under the circumstances. Uh, bringing in John Thompson the third to be, I'm not even sure what, athletic advisor. Yeah, uh, I don't qu- sleep coach as I'm calling it. No yeah. disrespect to JT3, but it's sort of like, oh, that's the new trend. Get 10 hours of sleep a night. Yeah, so we got that, and uh, what else has he, he brought? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I don't want to bury the lead here. Sashi, Sashi Brown, Brown. The, the, the guy who was the architect of the <clears throat> what one in twenty eight Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Some would say he wasn't a failure there. He just ran out of time to see his plan come to fruition. Uh-huh. Sashi uh-huh. Brown is obviously a brilliant mind. He went to Harvard Law School. He's an attorney, successful. Got into the football biz by being the general counsel for the Jaguars for a number of years, was the general counsel for the Browns. Then they moved him in a football role under the analytics guys, and he all he did was he traded down for more picks and cut guys that cost too much money. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, that was what was necessary to lay the groundwork for where the Browns are at this year, which is on the cusp of what is a very hopeful season. First very hopeful season for the Browns in many a year. Others would say, what does he know about football? Just like now, what does he know about basketball? Right, and, and, and the building in football is a lot different. I think draft picks are of much greater value than they are in today's NBA. Agreed. Today's NBA is you get yourself one superstar some way, and he will decide how to get another one. You know, see what Kawhi Leonard did with the Clippers. That's the way to build a basketball team these days. Yeah, I think in the NBA, a lot of these picks, like a lot of the picks that were traded for current players who have been swapped around, whether it's Chris Paul or Anthony Davis, they're not, they're a bag of beans is what they are. They're not going to, none of them experts think are probably, knowing the odds, going to turn into a beanstalk that you can climb up to the heavens with, that they won't be the next Anthony Davis. No, I mean, you, you, you look, this is why when you make a deal and you trade away a bunch of first-rounders, if you're getting good value, those first-rounders are going to be late first-rounders and not going to mean anything. A late first-rounder in the NFL, that's significant. A guy who's picked you know, 22nd, 23rd, that guy can become an all-pro. In the NBA, it doesn't usually happen. Meanwhile, there was this in the NFL. How'd you like Zeke or Ty- Tyreek Hill evading against all odds? The ginger hammer as a past violent offender who was involved in something that at the very least involved a verbal threat of you better be fucking terrified of me too, bitch. And he gets no suspension. And then today, this Jaron Reed guy 
for the Seahawks, whose incident involved something that police never acted on, prosecutors never filed charges, was two years old, gets a six-game suspension. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Well, it could be related to ratings, you know. Nobody knows who this guy is, Reed, and everybody so, knows who Tyreek Hill is. So, in other words, the NFL can claim credibility of, oh, we hammer them hard. Yeah. But yeah, they know but- that a star like Tyreek Hill greatly damages a franchise and greatly affects ratings because Tyreek Hill will be number one of the number one one of the number one jerseys sold this year and mm-hmm. fantasy players that's important Andy fantasy players are waiting to see what happens to this guy yeah I, I agree I mean I, I, I look this is selective justice and you know I think that they've been guilty of it before and you know what what happened to their big stance you know after what happened with Ray Rice and they hire Kathy Lanier, the former police commissioner in D.C. She's invisible. What, what, what has she been involved in? Nothing. It, it's, it's just nothing. This, there, it's just business as usual for the league. It, uh, it's stunning. And it, I, I guess I shouldn't get so worked up over it because what do I care? And well, a lot of these guys that are getting railroaded probably did something bad anyway. But the double standards and the, the wild differentiation between cases – is crazy to me. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if this is related to Bob Kraft at all. Maybe not. But Oh, that's you know. right. I forgot. What's the latest on Bobby Kraft? Probably nothing. I mean, I never thought that he was involved in sex trafficking. But he clearly was involved in a very <laughs> embarrassing incident, which does not reflect well on the league, but it looks like they're going to just sweep this under the carpet and start the season. Wait a minute. You said you never thought he was involved in sex trafficking based on what? I don't think it was sex trafficking what he was involved in with that. You mean uh, once the facts came out? Yeah. I mean, even from the beginning. Okay, from the beginning you didn't think that. Okay, I'm glad you say that. You've been following the case of this Jeffrey Epstein guy, right? Oh, yeah. Now, it looks to all involved that he was... Mm-hmm. sex trafficking yeah i mean private island private airstrip everyone looks the other way all these young with them, women with them high profile politicians celebrities flying on his private plane to a private island mm-hmm. and now they're finally starting to circle around him i'm not saying that bob craft would but don't you think in this day and age we have to always say we don't know what the rich and the powerful are really doing Oh, agreed. Agreed. I just I just looked at what I was able to read at the beginning of it, and yeah. it did not sound like it to me. But maybe he is. Yeah. No. In the post-OJ world, you could <laughs> never say with certainty who a person is or what he does or what, what he's like or whether he's truly a nice guy or a good guy like Mike Greenberg is always rushing to the front of the line to claim. No, right. I, I agree with that. Speaking of OJ, do you follow him on Twitter? No, I've sometimes it's yeah, sometimes he'll repost it or somebody will, will, will retweet it. But I, I why don't I you no follow stomach. him? I have no stomach for him. Oh, Not, you don't? No. Did you see where Howard Stern wants him banned from Twitter? <laughs> that's, that's Isn't rich. that rich? Howard that. Stern versus OJ in a battle of hey man, you should be kicked off Twitter. And yeah. OJ fired back going, "Who are you?" He didn't mention <laughs> Stern by name, but he was just like. I forgot what country this is. Isn't this America? Why should I be not denied the chance for a public forum to speak my beliefs? Yeah, it isn't isn't how? Now I like Howard Stern. I think I think he's incredibly talented and has morphed into a very very good interviewer. 
but he's also trying to change the narrative on his life at this point. He's got a book out, you know, sort of taking another stance of what he should have done and shouldn't have done. He made a lot of money and a lot and became very famous pushing the envelope, pushing it as far as it could go. And uh, yeah, no, he is he is no one to say <laughs> what OJ should and shouldn't be allowed to do on Twitter. Howard's turn is a book out. Yeah, he's been pushing it. Has and what, it gone on your show yet? <laughs> no, and what's the book about? His life, you know. Uh, and is it sort of a mea couple? Like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have had as many strippers or whack packers on or whoever. Yeah, basically along those lines. I mean, not, not you know, boy, my life. He's not doing it like a Mickey Mantle where Mantle goes, yeah, I was a terrible guy. Don't use me as an example. You know, things like that. But right. he, he's, he's admitting that some of the things he did were not uh, as far as he should have gone. All right. Uh, Jim Harbaugh in college football sounded off on two things that generated headlines this week. One was Urban Meyer saying, well, he's a great coach and all, but, man, controversy erupts wherever he goes. True statement. What's, what's, what's not true about that? In fact, if anything, it was lightly true in that more than just controversy, but criminality yep. and possible shady hiring practices. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you now Jim Harbaugh in his position – People might say, whoa, you know, oh, Michigan's kicked your ass for four straight years. Why, well, you know, that, that looks like sour grapes. But the fact of the matter is, it's an absolutely true statement. The other thing that he mentioned was that um, basically these, these mental health waivers yeah. to allow players to transfer is something that gives him a bit of concern because he feels like there's potential for abuse. And you know as well as I do, Andy, Nobody capes up to be the great mental health crusader in America quite like somebody with a Twitter account and more than 50 followers. You cannot question at all anything about mental health without getting a lecture from people on the Internet. Yeah, the one thing that Harbaugh did say, which I agree with, is that uh, you ought to be allowed to have one transfer. One free transfer. Sit out. I don't think that should be a problem. Well, it'd be great for us in the business. But it would be chaos in college football because it would allow essentially free agency to come to college football. Yeah, it, it would. But but you also, if if in fact rules are being followed, what is the enticement other than you can go to a winning team? But you know we, we've seen well, that sometimes quarterbacks will go to a place where they think they can be the starter, and they get in there and they've got somebody else there or you're not as good as you thought you were so it doesn't always necessarily guarantee a great team if a no i know transfers, you know? i i think it would be fantastic for us in the chattering biz however um it'd be a nightmare for college coaches they have to recruit these kids once and re-recruit them again once they had them in house yeah but look at look at jalen hurts jalen hurts goes to alabama stuck around like, one of the best quarterbacks in football for two years, loses his job, doesn't make a stink. Now he's going to go to Oklahoma, and I don't think it's out of the question he wins the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, you're right. That might you know? be the case. Right. Uh, also in college football, LSU today oh, unveiled, <laughs> unveiled their new $30 million locker room for their football program that includes individual nap pods for yep. every player, to which I thought, now there's a training device I could take great use of, yep. a nap pod. 
your thoughts your thoughts on the escalating arms race when it comes to facilities in college football if you look at those photos i think there's some accompanying video with that too if you look at that there's no way you can possibly believe that there isn't some other money filtering to the players not all of them went to sleep pods some some <laughs> money is look I, I, I was working in in dallas in the early 1980s when it was the wild wild west of the southwest conference and everybody knew what was going on and no they didn't have locker rooms like that in those days but they had some really nice locker rooms and they had the old 50 dollar handshake from Haas. here you go son nice game so you got to believe there's a hell of a lot of that going on at LSU as well. Does a does a locker room like that strengthen or weaken the argument to pay the players? I think it I think it strengthens it. If there's that kind of money to go into locker room facilities and never mind what the coaches make, yeah, you could you could make the case. I'm more in line now with letting these guys do their own endorsements. I don't know if you can have salaries for, you know, a fifth string lineman. But I do believe that if everybody else is making money, players should be able to make their own money. Yeah, well, the pro- I mean, the, the only problem I see with that is a lot of sham endorsements Yeah, that are essentially funnel jobs from deep-pocketed boosters. Right. Say, a backup guard, important to the team, but with no real name and likeness value, does a car dealership appearance for ten grand. Yeah, the car dealer probably. doesn't get ten grand worth of traffic or exposure. The kid gets ten grand. Where did it come from? Why, well, old F.J. Hassenfeffer, who owns the <laughs> largest oil rigs in the state. That's right. Yeah, but but there's a lot of that going on anyway. This is just bring it out of the open. True, but at least now you can get in trouble for it. So there's a curb on it. Once you kind of legalized it through this back channel way, it'd be the, the the arms race would be on, and many schools and many conferences could not and would not try to compete. That's true, but but when you say that uh, that you, you would have uh, you know rampant use of this, I don't think you would. I think I think there'd be a few cases. Define rampant. Um, let's say, okay, let's say you're, you're at Alabama or Ohio State or Oklahoma or one of the programs and you got 100 players in the program. Are 25 of them going to get that? Maybe five. I bet six. seven or eight programs would go full bore directing alumni contributions and big donor money directly to fund basically sham endorsements for as many players as they can under the guise of, well, wouldn't you know it? We got a whole new class of players who are very well known, right? John Smith. Yeah, that's right. John Smith. Everyone's talking about John Smith. You can't go two feet in this town without the John Smith right. hype but, but, overcoming you. Does that would that upset the college football landscape? Would you have perhaps a program that might be dominant for many years in college football, like I, I don't know Alabama yeah. or maybe Clemson, which is what's happening now? Well, so, it, it would it upset the landscape? No, but it might just solidify in stone the current imbalance that exists, and that could be bad for all of college football if there's a feeling like we've got no chance well, if we're a smaller much the, school. the case now. At the, at the beginning of this uh, season, you think there's a pretty good chance that Clemson and Alabama are going to play for the national uh, title again? I do. Why, I, think, why I would bet on it, Andy. Yeah, I sure would. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know if that's so bad. Uh, I really don't. Well, college 
you know, college football attendance is down. You heard uh, Pat Fitzgerald's take on yeah, that. and he's right. But that's been going on for years. That's nothing new. For those who didn't hear, Fitzgerald said it's the phones mm-hmm. and that young people are more concerned about looking into phones, staying at home. He right. took a shot at people with, quote, 12 TVs in their basement. I took direct offense at that. A, I only have three. <laughs> and B, I don't have a college program near me I could go to, save for Maryland. <clears throat> Uh, so there's that, but I think he's partly wrong in this regard. The college game is too fucking long. Oh, I agree. Three with that. hours, forty minutes plus for many games on average is crazy. You yeah. get that yeah. under a crisp three hours, stem to stern, including halftime and the marching band. Now you're talking. If that means more running clock, so be it. If that means don't stop it on out of bounds plays all the goddamn time, so be it. No, Speed what they have to stop is, is stopping the clock on first downs. That not only lengthens the game, but it makes it ridiculous at the end. I mean, I know it's exciting, teams come back and win, but it gives you no credit for trying to eat up the clock because a team can march down the right. field with no timeouts. And, and I, I, several years ago, I found out why that rule was put in place. Do, do you know why they have that in college football, not in the pros? I believe it's because they didn't think they had the kind of professional chain gangs needed to efficiently run down, spot a new first down, get everything set up with the clock still running like they do in the pros. Am I wrong? No. Yeah. What happened was, and this goes back to the days of Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, where all they did was run the ball, and you had a three-hour window on ABC that they wanted to fill the time, and the games were going like two hours and ten minutes because they were running on every down. So to keep the clock from running away from them, they would stop it on first down. Wow, so they were running on every down, and because of that, yep. they had to lengthen it. Yeah, two hours and ten minutes, too short. 3.45, too long. The sweet spot is just under three. Right, right. And that's what the NFL is is, is probably going to be shooting for, too. Also, they- the, also, the days of gouging have got to be over. The concession stand, just highway robbery, that's going to go away because you got owners like Arthur Blank in Atlanta going, this is ridiculous. Yeah, People are well, just not going to pay $9 for a beer, $5 for a soda. we got to bring them down reasonable. Well, look at how Arthur Blank made his money. He made his money in Home Depot where the markup is really low, but they sell in big volume. So I think he looked at that business model and he said we can do the same thing with beer and soda and hamburgers and you know all that stuff. And so. the cost of tickets also is 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 a big issue and also today's students they don't arrive on time for the game. You right. know, you can blame right. phones all you like. That's a bit of a lazy take. Unfortunately, the passion of being a sports fan, which at its core, Andy, what you and I grew up on is to show up to root for the team you like to win, 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 no matter what. That well, was the that essence that, of the game. The social aspect and everything else was secondary. That's been lost to a certain degree. Well, that and also that you would, if you went to a game, you would get a better view of what was going on. Ah. Now you get a better view on television. I mean, these 60-inch TVs, I love it. How about, but, how, about a, how about a view at all of what's going on? Because many games were... Not televised. Not televised, and you know, and, and I'm old enough to know that we didn't have 
color television until 1973. So when I walked into D.C. Stadium for the first time in 1966 and saw how green the grass was and the red hats the, the senators were wearing, I went, wow, never looked like that on television. My, uh, my big complaint, and this is why I'm not going back to Capitals games probably again in a long time. It's nothing against Ted per se, and I like live hockey games. The quality and the quantity of replays of goals and big plays is so lacking compared to what you get on network TV because what they insist on doing at a stadium is to run their own video ops department. Right. And they run scoreboard rah-rahs and special cutesy videos and, hey, uh, don't forget to go by Portal 6 to sign up for your chance to win free tickets to the Mystics this summer. And you miss a lot of stuff. Like if I if I'm watching a hockey game and there's a goal, I want to see NBC run six really good angles of it to see what happened. Mm-hmm. And they don't yeah. do that at the stadium. They need to run the end network produced feed as if you were at home in your living room on the biggest TV in the building, if you ask me. But you, but you could also say, well, you know, if they really wanted to do something about that, they could go to local blackouts. They could do a lot of different things. Fact Nobody's the doing is, local the, blackouts these days, Andy. Come no, on the, now. The, no, I'm just saying, but if, if they were really – the point I'm trying to make is the bigger concern is the television money. The gate money is becoming more and more incidental. It, it, it is in the NFL. Did you see the, the evaluation uh, of, of football yeah, teams? yeah. The Redskins, a franchise, top 50 franchises in all sports. Redskins are 14. Their ticket sales have become a joke. But their their value as a team is is, is uh, 14 among the yeah. top 50 uh, I think you know, teams in the country. I think the value is based on if somebody else bought them and okay. knew how to run them. And well, if they but, were ever but, good, then yeah, they would sell a lot more tickets. I don't think ticket revenue is incidental I as much as is. you think. I think it is. I think okay. you're talking about, do the math, let's say $100 a ticket in a 60,000-seat stadium. It's like $6 million a game, right? That's not that significant compared to the television money. Well, you're right. The television distribution money is 282 Yeah. per <laughs> team. Right. $282 million, give or take, per team before a single ball is punted. Right. And the salary cap is 190 You do the math on that. Yeah. I mean, ESPN for Monday Night Football is paying like $100 million a game. It's insane. Redskins open up Wednesday in camp in Richmond. Your thoughts on the season? I can't remember expectations being this low since Zorn 2. <laughs> the second yeah, year I, of I, Zorn. Can you remember the last time you felt so little juice for a season? Um, yeah, that might be it, Zorn 2. Uh, although they, they gin that up some because that was the year that they were going to try and trade uh, Jason Campbell for Jay Cutler. So so you oh, had that God. excitement going in. Um, <laughs> that excitement going in. I don't yeah, recall well, that's, that that's excitement. That's all they can sell you on. And so this year it's the Dwayne Haskins watch. When's Dwayne Haskins going to play? I saw a 3-13 and prediction today. I don't think they're that bad. I think they're, they're, they're where they usually are. They're between 7 and 9 wins. Somewhere in there. That's no, what they're going to be. You know what, Andy? No 3-13 and 13 team ever thinks they're that bad in August. Yeah. They yeah. always think... <laughs> Oh, come on. A 16 game. We'll win five of them. I mean, we don't stink that bad. Well, then next thing you know, 
one injury after another, and it's like, oh, shit, we're really bad across the board. Well, they, they, they don't have wide receivers, and that's a problem in a league where passing is, is encouraged. So No wide receivers, a rookie quarterback, and a left tackle who's holding out the start camp. Yeah, that, that could be a problem. Not just that he's, he's holding out, but they don't even have like a Ty Inseki who could right. hold things down while he's gone. So they don't really have a good replacement for him, and that's a problem. If, if this were the Patriots, <laughs> Bill Belichick would have somebody there that, that you know, could ably fill in. This is, this is a big issue for them. Uh, all right, a couple things real quick. Did you see the piece? In, uh, Darren Ravel tweeted how Roger Goodell's dad – Charles Goodell, when senator back in the 60s, was one of the few vocal opponents of the Apollo 11 space mission and the money being spent and the lives being lost, calling it a waste of money. And I liked your tweet where you said it's a good thing he died before he saw how much his son made. That was fun. Was that from the top rope? Was that wrong? Should no. I not have done that, or was that spot on? Talk about waste of money. Charles, you have no idea what your son's getting paid to be a doofus. Did, did you read the, the long piece in the post about Demora Smith that I, that I pointed out that you should read? Have you read that yet? I did read it, and it wasn't as damning as you painted it to be. Did oh, I the, not? The, the did move, I not read the, far enough down? The move where he—they're he, having their first meeting, and Goodell slides the pin across the table to him. Oh my God! What a jerk! Might be a nice pin if he didn't slide the NFL Shield pin over across the table. D. Smith might have been like, "Hey, man, don't I get one of those cool pins?" No, I don't think that was the message. The message was: was it bend? The, was it bend the knee? Bend the yeah. knee to the shield, yeah, submit exactly. or die, or we'll roll over you. What yeah. I think is especially ominous for D. Smith is that there are some notable agents saying, why are we going to fight these guys again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the football, you got to get your money when you can get it because your window is, is very small. And, uh, and I know it's you're hard. not a, a Peter King fan. but That's all right. He said something in his column today, which is which is really true. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are about to start their 20th season together. That will never, ever happen with a player and coach ever in the NFL again. Most of the time, it's a, it's a three- or four-year deal. And if you're saying to the players, you're going to have to sit out a year, they ain't going to do it. Not going to happen. Holy shit, is that right? Brady and Belichick, 20? Yeah, 20th year together. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That is the that is the aberration. Well, the thing about getting your money in the NFL is so hard because of all the tags. Yeah. That's the thing. If I'm the union, I'd say we got to get rid of all these tags. That's the only way our star players get paid is to get to free agency sooner, and to have it be true free agency where any team with the money can come sign you. That where that's where we'll find out where the rubber meets the road. Who is really valued in this league? Right, and also you, you you've seen. Where the the Patriots, well, not the Patriots, the Steelers for many years were known for rarely giving a guy a second contract. Yeah. Now that's league wide. You don't get a second contract, and it's, that's where the money is. It's better to pay as you go on a one year deal, mm-hmm. franchise tag wise, except for quarterbacks, which we found out with uh, Kirk. But still, yeah, yeah. The one team that screwed that up was was, the was of course yeah, us. If you got one, you pay them. Yeah, exactly. Okay, anything else to get to before we're done here today? Anything that popped out to you? Anything uh, notable to you? Boy, anything you're boy, like... 
you you covered a lot. You covered a lot of ground. A lot of uh, a lot of issues. I don't have anything uh, at the top of my head. No. Okay. Well, very. Oh, I didn't ask you about the uh, the British Open. Did you like Shane Lowry's win? Did you watch it at all? Yeah, I, I noted that that on the uh, the 50th anniversary of man walking on the moon, that we actually had a guy who looked like golfers used to look when men walked on the moon. Husky. Orville Moody, yes. Billy Casper, yes. guys like that. And uh, here's a here's a guy with a gut, and uh, yeah, he's he's just uh, killing the field. And an old tiger who, who's you know going with the Navy SEALs, he tapped out uh, at the cut. So yeah, it, not it, only did Tiger tap out, I didn't talk about this on the Zabecast because it happened on Friday. After he missed the cut, he said, "I just want to go home," and then yeah. complained about a vacation to Thailand. And about going from plane to plane and everything else. And I said to myself, what a fucking baby. This guy is the biggest excuse-making bitch I've ever heard. It's yeah. unbecoming. It's like nobody told you to go to Thailand. You flew private anyway on your own jet. Shut the fuck up. You, <laughs> you played you bad. Do? Just he, deal with it and go home. What he should do is just gear himself up for the Masters every year. That's just the, the Masters. He can win. Wow. A one-trick pony. That wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Yeah, just get yourself ready. Do everything you need to do to get ready for the Masters. Don't even compete in the other majors. Make the Masters your focus. Find out the best way to be ready for the Masters. And you did hear about the controversy involving saying four when you hit a wayward shot, right? I didn't hear that. No, he did it? No, no. So this one golfer, uh, American golfer, uh, was criticized. Kyle Stanley. Yeah. Because he hit a couple of wayward tee shots, one of which hit like the sister of either this uh, European tour player, Robert McKenzie's uh, wife or sister, mm-hmm. or a caddy's wife or sister, and he didn't yell four, mm-hmm. which is traditional in golf. And so McIntyre gave, uh, gave Stanley a tongue lashing afterwards. It made headlines. Stanley didn't even apologize. He didn't back down. He's like, I'm not going to apologize. This guy, he hadn't been out here that long. I have. The caddies and the other players were yelling for when the shot went wayward, but he just didn't yell at himself. You tell me what was wrong. Uh, I don't was, know the golf who was in the, enough. Who was uh, in the uh, wrong? Because you can't hear anything from 260 yards away. On an empty municipal course where you're only hitting at 180 or 200 and <laughs> nobody else is out there, you might hear a guy yell four if you're on a nearby hole. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, that, that, that is beyond my golf knowledge. Okay. Well, just thought I'd run it by you to see yeah. if you had a thought or not. Uh, have you thought about taking up golf yourself again? Oh, no. Still retired. I, I, I tried that. Happily and, retired. Okay, just letting you know, the yeah. tent is open for you to come back in at any time, Andy, once you I want know. to. I, I know, but in this past weekend, where it has been as hot as I could remember, how, how could you possibly want to be out on the golf course? A, you can't, and B, you don't. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know guys play, but that seems like work. It was tough. <laughs> All right, Andy, I'll rest my voice. Thank you for the advice, and I will talk to you next week. All right, Dave, take care. Thanks. We'll end on this today. It's being called the Impossible Burger because it is a hamburger that is made out of plant material, vegetables of some sort, green stuff. I don't even know what it's made out of, but it's a vegetarian burger that supposedly tastes 
as good as a real hamburger. Thus the name Impossible Burger. I've never tried it. I'm never going to try it. You know me and my stance with vegetables. Hell no. Vegetables are what food eats. I eat food. Why would I go that route? Also, this might cause some people to have pause about the Impossible Burger. According to a story, their controversial blood source, because remember, it's the blood. It's a little tint of blood in the meat that creates that delicious, juicy sensation when you're eating a real hamburger. Their controversial blood source is something called soy leg hemoglobin, the red-colored protein found in the nodules attached to the roots of soybeans and other leguminous plants. Here, rhizobium bacteria take nitrogen from the air and supply it to the plant in exchange for some other carbohydrate from the plant, which is a symbiotic arrangement. But DeWitt is a man of science. This is some scientist named DeWitt. And points out some disturbing facts here. Chief among these is the fact that leg hemoglobin, quote, has never been consumed by humans before. Oh, wow. He points out that Impossible Foods conducted a very little safety testing before injecting this fake blood, quote unquote, into their burgers. Furthermore, the FDA warned the company that they had not proven that leg hemoglobin is actually safe for human consumption, but they're still allowing the company to market the burgers anyway. Eh, why not? Probably not bad for you, but who knows? Also, by the way, this blood is not coming from soybeans or even the roots of the plant, just like the hemi, H-E-M-E, that they use to make the meat, quote-unquote. The blood is being made in vats of genetically modified yeast. Remind me again, writes the author, how this was all approved so quickly. Hey, you know who to grease. You know who to pay off. I know there's a lot of people that want to get rid of meat consumption entirely in this world, if not curtail it greatly because of the environmental impact and cow farts, which have an impact on the ozone layer. But if you're going to eat meat, fucking eat meat. If you're not, don't. This end-run Franken-food bullshit to try to get a hamburger that's not a hamburger, it can't be right. It can't be good for you. But hey, good luck. While you eat that leg hemoglobin, go on down to the Dominican Republic and dive into that minibar and let me know how it goes. That will be a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for putting up with my load management. Hang in there. This week, I'm expecting three podcasts, which is better than none, not as good as five. I really do appreciate the loyalty. Your anger at me for taking a day off is one of the finest compliments I can get. Thanks for listening. Tell a couple of friends, and we will see you next time. a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my seat